0: I'm locked, I'm locked up down. in
1: memories They all intertwine The memories
0: in, In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come
1: You will never know what you've
2: done. Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3130. That's 3130. And uh, tonight we're going to have a really, really good guest on. Her name is Jory Noons and she's from N- N- Modesto, uh, California. And she's a child abuse survivor, an author who says, I grew up extremely neglected, like so many of us have. And she's going to go into her own story and, and tell us what happened from the beginning of of her abuse as she remembers it and, and go on from there. And uh, so if you want to call tonight, if you have a mother issue, I have a mother issue. She's got one, too. I mean, she had one. But anyway, the telephone number is 646-595-2118. That's 646 646- Five nine five two one one eight. Now, before we get started, I am going to read the mission statement. We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways. Number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and it does. It's not just in our country. It's everywhere. Um, Offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Now, those last three things that I just said, prevention, intervention, and recovery. Many times I'll do a a topic on each one, prevention and intervention and recovery, because uh, that's what it's all about, you know. Um, With prevention, if we could just learn to work together as neighborhoods and uh, community, uh, society, and if we see something, say something like we always talk about because that is so important. And there are some states, and I know Florida was one of them, that uh, was going to, and I don't know if this bill got passed or not. I'm going to look into it. But if you knew somebody was being abused down the street and you don't report it, and they find that out that you knew, okay, you can get fined heavily, okay, because um, they're they're hoping that people will come forward, and and report, okay. That's that's what it's all about. And then we have intervention, and that is learning how to speak to your children properly about child abuse we do not live in an innocent world so therefore we should you know help our children to understand that in a proper way age-appropriate and then of course recovery how we as survivors recover now um, you can find all this information in prevention intervention and recovery right on our NASCA website I use it a lot I've done a lot of presentations a lot of times I'll just pick things off of uh, the website and I had used that um, so anyway, uh, that's n a a s c a dot org, dot org. Okay, we have somebody else. Oh, Mrs. Bill, yeah. and it says he's working. Okay, so we will get on with um, the story then, and then I'll I'll call on Bill every once in a while. But Jory, uh, why don't you go ahead and and start telling us your
3: story? Go ahead. Hi. Okay. Well, thank you for the people who are listening and I want to say that life was grand. I just really never thought about my past sexual abuse or neglect um, in my early adult ages, um, stages. I think I've just blocked it out and became a um, real estate agent and then later became a real estate broker and um, had, you know, three children And life was good. And then one day Pandora's box opened for me when my father-in-law unexpectedly pushed himself up against me and tried to kiss me sexually in a sexual manner. Um, And it freaked me out. And I totally just um, was not expecting that. And it terrified me. And my husband didn't believe me when I told him. And his other people in his family, some did believe me, some didn't, but um, I actually had a nervous breakdown and I couldn't handle it mentally. I was like, and it actually made me remember everything that happened in my childhood, which I kind of tucked away in a box and didn't want to think about forever. And I'm sorry if you hear a lot of noise, I have two dogs switch bark at every little thing and i have uh construction i'm getting my house remodeled so <laughs> there's <laughs> lots of noise in my house so but um anyway so i i did i freaked out i went berserk and i wrote this bizarre crazy insane twisted book called chocolate flowers and even though it was insanely crazy it was insanely healing and I was able to dig up some childhood trauma that I didn't want to deal with and say it was about a girl named Jennifer, who was the main character in the book. And I was able to say it was her, not me. And she went through this, not me. It's fiction, not my life. Yeah, right. So anyways, um, after um, the book published, I um, had gone on Dr. Phil, and um, they had told me if if they would allow me to remove a restraining order against my stepbrother, who's like 12 or 14 years younger than me or something, I don't even know, we weren't even raised together, we have a different dad, but if they allowed me to remove a restraining order against him, which I had because he was psychotically aggressive and threatening my family because I wrote this book, big deal. So who, who, you know, if it wasn't true, why would anybody even care? So Mm -hmm. Dr. Phil's um, staff actually removed the restraining order and promised me that when we went on the show, they were going to do an intervention on my brother and get him some help he desperately need for his addictions And I was extremely grateful, and they said they would talk about my healing journey from writing my book. And um, I agreed to it, and I went on Dr. Phil, and they never did an intervention. But they did call the show My Sister Wrote a Book of Lies, and they made me look like a complete, absolute lunatic (laughs) to say the racist way. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Yes, they they, they, did. They had me have professional dressers and they put a girdle on me, the tight, sexy dress. I, I was like, why am I wearing this? I don't dress like this normally. <laughs> a mm-hmm. wig. They put mm-hmm. fake eyelashes on me, gobs of makeup. I don't even wear makeup. You know, and it was like, whoa, I look like a prostitute, but a beautiful prostitute. You know, I, I don't look like this. But, um, mm-hmm. okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then. They made it sound like I was this promiscuous, horrific sister to my brother and my hurting my family by writing this book
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. strange
2: <laughs> well i that's uh, you know I was thinking about going on Doctor Phil, and they had been in touch with me because my book made it to Japan and all kinds of things and um, yeah i i uh I turned him down. Boy, am I glad I did now (laughs) after hearing that. I don't know what he would have made me. Oh, it was horrible.
3: (laughs) It created me. uh, I'm sorry. It created my mind to go into Mm -hmm. a complete depression and back into my introverted world of not wanting to talk about the abuse and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, yes, in fact, it was me. Um, And it was very difficult to um, talk about it again because – he had just basically called me a liar, even though I have medical records all my life that say I had sexual abuse scars internally from my father. It didn't say from my father. They couldn't prove it was him. They just said sexual abuse scars, you know, um, mm-hmm. tissue, because I had a reconstruction surgery when I was little. So, <laughs> you know, that was very well, difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let, let's get to your story here. Okay, I'm gonna help you out here.
2: It says sure. I don't recall ever. Yeah, I don't ever recall ever being loved appropriately. Now, yeah. that means that your your mother wasn't loving to you. She uh, didn't say she loved you and, and all that stuff.
3: She. I had.
2: I went through that too. <laughs> Go ahead.
3: She um, she ha- was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, and they mm-hmm. actually diagnosed her in San Francisco. Um, in the early, early, early '80s, um, finally, or late '70s, maybe, and um, she was diagnosed with eight personalities, and one being dark. The one that was dark, she 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 knew that she was sexually abusive, and she knew that that wasn't right. And she always said that wasn't me. I didn't do that. This other personality did it. I have no control over it. It wasn't anything to do with me. You know. It, Once she was getting uh, therapy and medicated for it, um, she did talk about it to me. um, But she used to, um, when I was young, she used to uh, masturbate in the bathtub and make me Mm -hmm. and my sister, and I I don't want to speak for my sister because she doesn't like to, you know, be involved. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though
3: we privately talk about it, she doesn't want you know, me to say how she feels or whatever. But um, my mom would make us like wash her back and stuff. And then she would tell us that we had to learn how to be promiscuous because, well, me anyway, because she felt like I was so homely that if I ever wanted to get a man to marry me, I needed to be very good in bed. So she would make me watch pornographic uh, movies back in the day with VHS tapes. Specifically, I remember um, Deep Throat. (laughs)
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I do too. Right. Ew. Yeah. yeah, so you know, it makes me sick in a and especially when my kids became the age I was, mm-hmm. I I think, holy cow, I was a baby and and she's making me watch these things. And she right. used to tell me like to avoid getting raped, just have sex with whoever because that way you won't be raped and it'll just be over faster. Mhm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, she just, was very just really sick. bad. Yeah, she was very, very, um, very, very, very sick. Yes. Yeah. And it took me decades to understand uh, her disability, and that um, she was sick in the head, and um, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. It, it took a long time to get to that point.
2: Absolutely. We look to our parents, you know, for nurturing and love and, and, and teaching us boundaries that are proper boundaries and all that other stuff that we know that they should be doing. And and yet some of us, many of us, not just some of us, more and more of people are coming out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of incest in families. And at one time that was a very dirty word, right? <laughs> it's, us, right? it's still going to don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah. but at least people are talking about it. At least they're talking about it. And then you have um, mothers or fathers who are mentally ill. They're terrible mm-hmm. narcissists and they're all kinds of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, you know, they destroy the family. It's what they do. And uh, mm-hmm. you come out alive from it a lot of times. Um, or like in, in one part of your bio here, you felt like you, in fact, you did try to kill her at one point. But let's not go Oh yeah, Oh, so yeah, bad. I did. Yeah. <laughs> And Sorry, like, I'm not, I don't mean to
3: laugh. That's like a nervous laugh. Um, I don't find okay. it funny at all, but
2: I, Listen to okay. me. let me say something. Let me say something. I can tell that you're nervous, okay? And, and a lot yeah. of people are when they come on the show. Just take a deep breath. You're with Carol Mouse, as they call me, okay. all right? <laughs> you know, and uh, by the time you, you tell your story, you're going to feel better. And you're not going to have that 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 uptight feeling that you have right now, okay? Because I'm sort of like mm-hmm. a clown and all this other stuff. Um, but about I'm also down to business. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But I I know what it's like to have that that uh, a little bit of panic, a little bit of panic there. Let me ask you before we get more into your story, how are you doing in school? Let's go. Let's start
3: there. Were school. You able to
2: concentrate. Yeah.
3: No. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't concentrate at all, and I, I didn't even know what grade I was in my whole life. I, I got lost going to classes, and um, I even had a teacher during my elementary years that would come to my home, pick me up, walk me to school because I'd get lost around the corner, and um, and I would get a special attention from, like, the, the – um, cafeteria ladies they all saw I never had lunches and stuff so they always gave me you know they they ended up letting me sell milk on the side of the stage when I was a kid you know it's 10 cents for a little thing of milk back way back in the you know prehistoric days (laughs) but um they they used to say I was working for my meal so they made me feel like I was earning my free meal by working And I was always in special ed classes. And Mm -hmm. um, I never really learned how to read until I was in foster care when I was 14. Sorry. do stop it. (laughs) Until when I was like 14. um, My foster mom taught me how to read. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank God. I I always had.
3: mm, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what? She was a a Mormon, and she used to take the Bible and read it to me. And then... um, draw pictures and stuff and basically she would like make me understand words and phrases and things by drawing pictures and that's how I learned how to do real estate I I would draw pictures of things and write them out a million times and highlight and you know I mean it was very I struggled to learn real estate but
2: right but at least you did though I did not graduate
3: from Yes, but I did not graduate from high school. I was a dropout.
2: Mhm,
3: mhm.
2: No, a lot of people are, you know. And then they get mm-hmm. their GED later on. I did that. Yeah. I, I had hood kids after me, kids from Brooklyn.
1: <laughs>
2: and I said, Oh no! I was born in New York too, honey, but they were tougher than me. And I knew that there was a bad thing going on because they ran the school. So I decided a bunch of my friends We just all took a walk and got the heck out of there. And I didn't care because I just went and took my GED. And I was glad that I did it. I am not sorry that I did it, okay? Because I would have been in many fights, okay?
1: Right. (laughs) I was already
2: down in detention a lot, a lot of times. But it was, you know, protecting myself. Well, I was protecting myself yeah. from these
3: people, you yeah.
2: know, so, um, but anyway. See, and I was a, the opposite.
3: I, can, like, I was, a, I, I was a school bully. I used to beat people up <laughs> and they were afraid of me because I was so mean, but I was just, I, I was horrible. I mean, I, I tormented people. I was the worst bully. I was so mean. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I'm friends now with someone on Facebook that I, totally, completely humiliated all through my school years and um, I wrote him a a very long letter um, and send it to a mutual friend to get his address mm-hmm. and mail it to him and it was mm-hmm. telling him that i had been so sexually abused and neglected that um, i had mental health issues and that's why i was so cruel to him and that now i used to call him baby huey but now i i have a son who looks just like him it's so weird and he he acts like a baby huey he's so clumsy and chubby and everything and i i think I would kill someone if they abused my son the way I abused that guy. And God has a really strange way of of making things come full circle. And uh, it was incredible for me to, um, you know, have a child that is just like this kid named Jeff I used to tease and call baby Huey. Mm -hmm. And now I got to Mm -hmm. see it from his perspective through my son. And I thought, oh, it just breaks my heart, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. so mean to this one particular kid. Ooh. Well, you know,
2: that, that happens though uh, That that many times happens, sorry I don't want you to feel bad about this, okay um, Because quite frankly, um, when kids are so abused at home I mean, I had the home issue, and I had the school mm-hmm. issue And I just said, screw it, I'm getting out of there And I got my education much later on, that's okay And But yeah. we're survivors, we're survivors And what we have to do is, you know, for the moment, do what we have to do. Now, when you're bullied and and turned into a bully, I should say, I always tell people, because I work social services, I did for years, um, I I always say, look inside of the house. Don't just judge the kid and the kid's Mm -hmm. actions. Go inside of the house, because that's where you're going to find a lot of uh, questions, you know, answers to your questions. Look inside there. Because uh, when a child is growing up in such a, an atmosphere, they call it environmental conditioning. Okay, I use that word, mm-hmm. outside, that phrase, because that's what it is. And, you know, if it becomes normal after a while. If you're bullied at home, you're sexually abused, you're punched around, all this stuff the kids can go through, then many times mm-hmm. you do take it out on the street. You just do. All right? So, well, you know,
3: the one thing... The one thing that I learned um, early on was that people knew I was being abused, but they couldn't Mm -hmm. pinpoint it because I never had bruises. No one ever spanked me. No one ever um, hit me. I was never hit or abused that way. And so Mm -hmm. people couldn't figure it out because they would constantly say, is your mom hitting you? Does your dad hit you? You know, they never said anything about my vagina <laughs> you know they right. just basically would be like do you do you have any bruises do you have any you know you know broken part have you ever hurt been hurt they don't they never asked the appropriate correct uh questions you know for me to say well yeah because to me that was all normal
2: well that's it i just said that normal and um, yeah. but you see today, you know they they have gotten better a lot in, in social services uh, to the point we know that it's behavioral. A lot of times um, when kids act out, I call it act mm-hmm. out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason for it, and it can be sexual. Today they look at it at least. Back then in the day, right. no, they didn't look at for sexual abuse, and uh, but they, today we know all of the, we have the signs right on our, our website of sexual abuse, and one of the things, um, you know, that is uh, the acting out, you know, the behavioral problems, and then also, too, if kids become very promiscuous, or if they become, um, you know, they say come out with words that they shouldn't even know yet, okay, about yeah. sex, you know, things like that. True then then you can uh, say, Well, let's look at that part of the household. Let's see if that's part of the the issue. Okay. And um yeah. so today it has gotten a little bit better. It still has a ways to go. All right, it has a ways
3: well, to and go and I I also um started doing like CASA training mm-hmm. and um what that is is when you go to court with a, a child who's been possibly sexually abused and you kind of mm-hmm. are their p- person they lean on. Um, and when I went through that training, I found it really difficult, you know, and triggering because um, they had said things like um, a lot of adults are mandatory reporters. But the mm-hmm. biggest mistake people make is that they tell the person, before you tell me you're being abused, I need to tell you I have to turn it in because I'm a mandatory reporter. And that is the biggest no. You are not supposed to do that. You just listen and report it and do not say anything to scare the child because pe- kids don't talk because they're so afraid. Oh, you're going to turn me in to the police? I mean, that's yeah. not why I'm coming to you.
1: Right. That's, right. to me, that's um, you know,
3: it's very upsetting because people don't realize that when just because you're a mandatory reporter doesn't mean you have to mandatory tell the child that you're going to report it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's like a, a part of our mission statement right there, uh, the intervention part. People have to learn, you know, whether they're, they've are they taken courses like you have. And um, I took them at, you know, a long time ago. But um, the point is... Anyone, if you're going to sit down with a kid, you get to know the kid a little bit. Maybe you already know the kid a little bit, right? And you learn mm-hmm. the proper way of speaking to them, the the right mm-hmm. questions. Otherwise, that kid's going to bolt, okay? They're going to take yeah. off because they're scared because, oh, my God, they're scared for two reasons. Um, did I do something wrong? You know, They think, oh, no, she's going to turn me in um, or turn my family in. Is it, did I do something wrong? Or they'll, uh, just because they're so afraid of their family, they might bolt on on that, you know, reason, take Mm -hmm. off, you know. So, you know, people have to understand the right way of prevention, intervention, and recovery. Otherwise, uh, if they don't with the intervention, they're going to scare the heck out of the kid, or the kid will go silent. Now, you're talking about behavior that you had in school. Um, where kids were, you know, you you became a bully and volatile and all this other stuff. Well, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids do that. I want you to know that. And I wasn't any saint, okay? That's why I was in detention all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 to me it was like, um, hey, this person wants to do this and do that to me, so I've got to protect myself, you know? So I did do that. But I was the one that mm-hmm. went to detention, all right? That's what made me mad. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Now, what about your father? It says, my father was absent, but when I did see him, I was a nervous wreck, praying that he would not touch me. Um, yeah. Did you tell anyone about your father's behavior with you?
3: Never, but my mother knew. Um, she um, and him worked out a deal that if he was going to take me on visits when I was very young, when they were divorcing, that I had a mm-hmm. sleep in a sleeping bag because he only had one bed in his house, and I don't know why they never thought of putting me on the couch. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they used to um, have me um, um, sleep in a sleeping bag in the bed with him.
1: Oh,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: So And that was supposed mother... to be to remind him, remind him not to touch me.
2: Oh, okay. Now you just answered my question there. Okay. Well, you grew up in a very – um, bad environment, okay.
3: And, very, uh, yeah.
2: Very bad, and and um, a lot of us have, a lot of us have, and I had mother issues issues too. Um, and I there was one point where I had been out one night, and it was awful, awful scene that happened. I'm not going to go into because this is your story night. But when I came home,
3: no, I don't I have regret. a problem.
2: You go ahead. No, it's I mean. This is how we run the show, though. But when I came home, um, my house was full of guns, and I felt like picking up a gun and shooting my mother. So I know what it's like to, you know, because she was just so mean and cruel and and so uncaring. Yeah. Um, and so when you uh, you have a mother like that, the mother is supposed to nurture. Again, we look to mommy for to nurturing. But mm-hmm. let me tell you something: it's just a title. It's just a title, like I said last night. It's a title, and uh, it doesn't mean you're going to be a good mother. All right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So tell me, tell me how you got over. You know, you had this horrific, horrific resentment and hatred towards your mother. This is interesting. Um, you know, how did you get over that? How did the feelings of hatred? That, you know,
3: Well, um, this is really bizarre, um, and some people don't believe it, but after she died, I had a dream that she showed up and was sitting on the end of my bed, and it was like I was awake, and she was beautiful. She looked absolutely perfect, and she was wearing this really ugly mob sweatsuit that I used to wear all the time when I was a teenager. And I forgot I owned until I saw her wearing it. And she said, I just was wearing this so you would remember um, that this is real and that um, this is the size I am. She goes, remember how perfect you were, your figure when you wore this? She goes, I'm perfect, and heaven is the most amazing place. You can't even describe in words how beautiful it is and how perfect everyone becomes. She said, I am no longer that person who raised you. I am clean. I am healed. I am perfect, and life is so much more beautiful when you pass, and you understand things more. And she said, all these other things that I don't really remember right now, but um, I kept saying, mom, I'm tired. Can you please leave? I mean, thanks. I'm glad you're healed. Good for you, but I'm tired. I can't sleep. I need my sleep. (laughs) And I kept Mm -hmm. doing that to her. And and I don't know if it's because she kept talking or or what, but I remember like waking up thinking, was that real or was that not real? And why was she wearing something that I forgot I even owned? Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? So I don't yeah. know if it was like a delusion or if it really happened, but it made me think she's okay now. She's healed. She's uh, she understands what she did, and it's okay.
2: Well, I, I think um, you know that I, I believe in God. Okay, I was the only one in my family did that. They, they were like a bunch of atheists on the one side, hmm. on my mother's side, and um, except for my cousins, they believed in God too. In fact, I had a minister cousin. Part of the family was Catholic, part of it was, you know, Protestant. It was really weird. But anyway, the mm-hmm. point is, I believed I, I don't think I'd be alive if it wasn't for God, being in yeah. my life. I, I honestly believe that. And I, I had an out-of-body experience uh, once. It scared the daylights out of me. And, see, I, I think things can happen. And uh, with me, I was being a tough kid. Yeah, I was because either we implode or we explode. You know what I'm saying? Either we're inward, yeah, um, you know, or, or we're too outward. You know, we, we, it, it, you never know how you're going to turn out. And I turned into doing things that I shouldn't have done. Now, <laughs> I say it to God. What I'm telling you this, and I think it's good for people to hear. I was just laying on the couch. I had two children already. I had left my husband. He was a nasty alcoholic and a gambler. And he totally didn't take care of us, and he wouldn't let me work because he said the guys would look at me. Cute. I had no car. <laughs> there was there was no way that I could work, all right? So, um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I left him finally, and um, it took me a couple times to really mean it. And uh, so, anyway, I didn't want to go back home because I didn't like my mother. She was awful. And um, I didn't have any money, so I had to go back to him. And that's never a fix, okay, because people don't really change. They can change if they want to change themselves. But that's the key right there. He didn't want to change. He was an alcoholic, and he was also a vicious alcoholic, and he was also a gambler. So, anyway, I managed to get an apartment. I had money because a grandmother of mine had passed away and she left me some money. So I took off. I took my kids, had the church's blessings, Catholic church, no less. And uh, (laughs) they said, Carol, go live your life because that's what God wants you to do. You want to put on this life to be tortured. And I thanked them both profusely and I went my way now. I'm laying on the couch, the kids are in bed, and I'm just laying there, and I used to love murder mystery stories. And uh, I'm in the middle of a sentence, not the least bit tired. I'm a night owl. I've always been a night owl. This is, we're talking about 8 o'clock at night, all right? I'm 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 reading a book. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt the insides of my body, I don't know how else to explain this, like go up towards the ceiling without touching it, all right? And I heard two voices. One voice said, "Really, really nasty. What the hell is she doing here?" Oops. <laughs> and the other voice oh. said, "The other voice I couldn't understand. It was it was muffled. I couldn't understand." And then I felt myself go back into my body. Well, let me tell you something. That was like a like a wake up call to me. I think that because of my own behavior, I was maybe going to go to hell or something if I died. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's the way I took it, that dream, all right, that that whatever the hell it was. It wasn't even a dream. It was just something that happened because I wasn't sleeping. So I got off the couch, and I smoked a lot of cigarettes in those days. I went through a whole pack. and already had close to a pack that day. I mean, I just kept smoking, smoking, smoking because I was so scared. I was so scared. I mean, what a thing to happen, okay?
1: Yeah.
2: That was weird. And for years, I didn't tell anyone about it. I figured they'd think I was crazy. And uh, then years later, I joined a prayer group because they pulled me in off the street and said, you're a mess. And I said, yes, I am. And they straightened my ass out, I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) They were good for me. But um, I told them about it. And they said, Carol, you were on the wrong path. Yes, you came from sexual abuse. You came from being beaten. You came from being starved. You came from uh, not having enough clothing. I had to go out and steal it. By the way, I came from a wealthy family. All
1: right. I was cheap.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All the things they did. They treat your siblings have, like that? I was the only one that they treated like that. But I found out years later my mother had gotten raped. And nine months later, out I popped. And so I think
1: uh. I think every
2: time she looked at me, she she hated me. And she told me we'd never be friends. So I just went berserk, okay? So you're talking about mm-hmm. being a bully or all this other stuff that you went through in school. And uh, you were lashing out. And I was lashing out in my own way also. I got in with really bad people, which I'm not going to talk about on air. All right. And I was doing all kinds mm-hmm. of bad things. And um, so this is what kids do. You see, this is child abuse. What you went through was horrific child abuse. What I went through was a horrific child abuse. And all the people on NASCA, you know, went through terrible abuses. So, and we all react about the same or a little bit different. Like I said, some people become very, very inward, and other people are very, very, you know, outward. That's just the way it is, you know. So, I, I have well. a question. Yeah, yeah go ahead.
3: Um, why, why can we only remember the abusive times and not any good times? Is That's there something that, um, because I don't think I even had any good times. I mean, I, I can't remember anything good. hmm
2: I struggle even to this day to look back on my life because I had two abusive marriages, too, after that. I didn't know how to choose. See, this is another way it affects you. Yeah, but I did the same thing. Life, yeah, a lot of us do that, don't we? But I can yeah. look back in my childhood, and I, I do know that, um, again, we were wealthy people. They knew very you know wealthy. They had wealthy friends. Um, My grandfather, as I knew him to be at that time I I took the ancestry They weren't really, I wasn't related to them But they were much nicer to me than my mother's side of the family So I, you know, wanted to be more with them But he was mayor, for God's sake, in Westwood, New Jersey And he was also one of the best flower growers in the world And uh, he'd have a lot of flower shows in New York City See, they were all born in New York on that side I was born in New York So... I remember good things from that Going into New York City And, um, you know, being with my grandparents on that side And he had met movie stars Because that was a big deal in those days To go to flower shows And, um, you know, I mean I, I remember these things So those were good memories Okay And then when I was a teenager I used to sing in New York City I loved it I loved the city And um, I I made some money, didn't have to steal my clothes anymore, did I? (laughs) Okay. So, you know, what a a thing to go through. So, um, I mean, these things happen in life to some people. But I think it's okay not that it happened, because no one should go through the abuses that we went through, you with the sexual abuse from your father, the the terrible uh, mental illnesses that your mother had. My mother was a narcissist, and she was mean as hell. And uh, my father went out to California. They divorced, and, and she remarried, and the stepfather had no feelings for me. He shouldn't, they shouldn't have had children. That's what I'm talking about, titles, mother, father, yeah. brother, sister, aunt, uncle. It doesn't mean anything. So, I mean, I have some good memories. And my mother, even though she didn't believe in God, she loved Christmas. You know why? All the gifts that went back and forth. Um, I would only get a couple. My brother would get thousands, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's an exaggeration, you know what I'm saying? uh, Yeah. So, I mean, there's these things that those of us who have been abused, we grow up and we have to somehow work it out. It's good to get help. It's good to have therapy. in the church that I was a, a part of, they had social workers there and psychologists because we had over 200 people in that prayer group. So they came from all wow. walks of life. Yeah. And they're the ones that pulled me in from the street. <laughs> so um, anyway, the point is I straightened out after that. So something in our life, either we're going to straighten out and, and become someone who's a good part of society, okay, or we're not. It's as simple as that. And that you just never know which way it's going to be. It's up to you. So we have to change ourselves. You have in your bio here that you realized that they were mentally ill, especially your mother was mentally ill, and he was mentally ill yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so you can, yes. So you can look at that, and you're able to absorb that and say, okay, it wasn't my fault, which it wasn't. You were just a kid. And so therefore, you realize. They're, you recognize their mental illness. And I think it's wonderful that you're able to forgive them. Hold on a second. We have two phone calls here. Hold on a second. Um, no, there's actually one because Bill's working. Hold on. 216. 216 area code. Who am I speaking to? Hello, hello? Okay, I'll put you. I'll put you on hold. Okay, if you listen, if you want to speak in, is there something you want to share? Hit the number one, okay, and then I'll bring you on. Okay, um, okay, so that's fine. And um, Philip, his 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 mic is open. Philip, is there something that you'd like to ask, her to ask her?
1: Um, are you? Did you get married? And is it a healthy relationship? <laughs>
3: uh, um. <laughs> Sadly, I had three kids from three different fathers, and I was married to one of the – I was married to one guy who wasn't even their father, but he adopted my oldest son, who is possibly my father's child. And then I had this wonderful marriage when I was 36 to this wonderful man, and we had a child together. A big, huge Catholic wedding, 300 people. Um, it was fantastic, the day, best day of my life. And then um, after we came back from our honeymoon, which was a cruise ship to Alaska, and we did all these things and all these excursions, we went zip lining and on a helicopter and saw glaciers. It was amazing. Um, but anyways, when we returned, we um, were out in the country, And uh, we were hit by a drunk driver. And um, the car uh, spun backwards and rolled into a ditch several several times. And um, our relationship was never the same since. We um, both suffered um, brain and nerve damage. Well, he suffered nerve damage, not me. I I had some brain issues. And then um, I found out I was pregnant. And he started becoming um, very abusive towards me. But not really, um, not really physically. More mentally abusive. Like he would um, tell me I couldn't work unless he was at work, and then he would um, ask me where I was going and only put enough gas into my gas tank to get there and back. And he started withholding money from me, and um, it, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible relationship. And, and we actually just finally got divorced last October. And um, I was with him for 16 years, but it was miserable. It took my son becoming 13 and saying, Mom, when are you going to divorce that bitch? He treats you like shit. Why are you with him? And I said, well, I was waiting until you were older. Are you really okay with me divorcing him? And he said, yes. So I divorced him. (laughs) Okay. But it was horrible. I've never had a good relationship.
2: I'm glad you divorced him, oh, Philip. I think you should have divorced him too.
3: <laughs> I, I I agree, but I kind of felt stuck.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Ooh. when
3: uh, men abuse you financially, they have a way to um, control you, you know. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't pay my bills or anything. And here's where I forgave my father. Um, it's because when I filed for divorce. My father, who I hadn't talked to in 10 years, died, and he left me quite a bit of money. And I was able to keep my home and support my child. Well, I heal from this toxic, abusive thing. And I kind of actually forgave my dad because he did this wonderful thing that I didn't expect right when I needed it.
2: Uh uh I, I, I get that. I get that. Um, thank you for that, Philip. That was a good uh, good question. Yeah. Hey, Philip Philip, do you have your um, speaker on? On your on your computer? Yes. Yeah, turn it Because no. that's like yeah, that's what the noise is you're hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um Does it sound
1: like you but can, anyway it's a year.
2: Do you have it off? I don't know. Well she said she has construction going on in the house too. Maybe that's what I'm hearing. I don't know. I heard something. That's okay. Yeah, I don't hear it now. Um, that was a good question. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Um, I, I think you're pretty remarkable, though. You know, you see, you've had uh, – I'm looking here. Uh, he used to take you dumpster drive uh, diving, your father. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I know what that's like. With my first year. we used to go, yo, yes. We, we went and we got all our, our furniture a lot of times because we lived in complexes, okay? And people would leave stuff behind and uh, things that they didn't want. And uh, the kids and I, and, and we made a big deal out of it. We'd, <laughs> we'd go around the dumpsters and see what we could find. And somehow we didn't feel bad about that. I don't know why. Maybe we should have. But if we didn't, maybe they were just happy to get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. So um, my son came home one day. Um, I was working as hard as I could. I was working in detox as a counselor, but I have two children to take care of and and rent to pay and and all the bills that you have. And I really needed a a living room table badly. So my son David went to one of the dumpsters, and um, someone had left behind this, uh, you know, table. He dragged it home, and I was real happy,
1: (laughs) you know. So Mm -hmm. I get
2: it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Um, I don't know. A lot of people do that though, because like when you have clean up day, think about it. You know, in your neighborhoods and stuff. Um, we used to do that too, the clean up days, and um, just because my family was wealthy, didn't mean they didn't give me any money, so I had to fend for myself. So um, we used to go to clean up days, and sometimes people would put out really good stuff. My son found a beautiful gold, uh, uh, I mean real gold too, uh, bracelet. I don't Hmm. know if it was meant to be there. Maybe she broke up with someone. Um, But you know, you can find things, all right. You know, I don't mind doing that even to this day. We call it junking, okay. And and I'm I'm the type of person that um, I'm not you know I'm not fancy. I'm not into all kinds of stuff because I grew up with wonderful, beautiful, you know, furnishings because they were so wealthy, right? A chandelier. You know that type of living. Maids uh, on my grandmother's side, on the good grandmother's side, they they were so wealthy. Um, all kinds of stuff. Look, if you're not good people, or if there's too much fighting in the family, too much abuse, none of that stuff means anything. This is what happens. So I we we made a game out of it, okay? And um, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> okay But I didn't I didn't seem to uh, mind at the time But okay So you had you doing junking Or, or dumpster diving um, Yeah And then also you became very promiscuous That's very very common When uh, you know people are abused at home They become promiscuous And you know what That's not just a girl thing um, That's where the sex addicts are out there A lot of times the guys and girls also Can become sex addicts and then you calm down, you know, you, you say, hey, wait a minute, stop, you know, cut that out, this isn't right. And um, and if you can't, then yeah, then you have to get help. I mean, you have AA, yeah. you have, and you have sex additions, you know, all kinds of stuff, I mean, you know, it's all out there. And, you know, all the places that I worked, I would do a background study on the people, uh, you know, the clients or the patients, whichever it was. And most of them, I'm not going to say all of them, but most of them came from backgrounds like what we have. Okay. Yeah. So it's, um, the world is full of a lot of broken people. Yeah. And that's why we have something that's called the healing journey. All right. And that's why we say recovery, Um, because we're recovering for what we knew and, um, and also the way sometimes people have to totally change their whole thought process of what's good, what's bad, you know what's right, what's wrong, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I like to say, you know, in people, and um so you seem to be in a pretty good place today, though I mean, um, let me see a young friend, a teenage Mormon mother that's who you were talking about, yeah, how long did you stay with her?
3: only like, um, eight months or a year, a whole school year. And then she, uh, was moving, relocating to, um, Utah. Of course mm-hmm. they all do, right? All the Mormons. But, um, she asked if I can go with her and I wanted to, but my mom wouldn't allow it. And back then the parents had the right to say yes or no, you can go out of state or can't. And my mom said no. Um, so even though my dad always paid child support, I never got any of that money when I left. And then when she made me come back, as soon as Camille was gone, and back then we didn't have cell phones or, or pagers or anything. And so once Camille was gone out of state, she kicked me out of the house because we wouldn't stop fighting together. I mean, it was, and then my mom visited me one time when I lived with Camille and she was a stay home mom. And she showed up in a suit with nylons and high heels like she was there on a job interview. <laughs> oh,
0: geez. <laughs> okay. And
3: she she funny. would. <laughs> she, well, now it's funny. Back then, I hated her, but for Christmas, she used to um, love the fact that I had this one kid that was Jehovah's Witness in my class, and she would say, "Okay, we're going to make." Um, cookies but they're not Christmas they're just cookies because that way she would get permission slips from all the kids and back then used to do field trips and they all would walk around the corner and come to my house for Christmas cookies where my mom had the house decked out for Christmas she mm-hmm. would have like all these Christmas cookies and she'd try to convert the little child that was Joel's witness to become Christian <laughs> <laughs> she was just a weirdo right? And she oh my found, God. she stalked the kid. She stalked the kid and found out where the kid lived and she made us go Christmas caroling at their house.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> that, she was just a weirdo. Weird. Yeah, that, that, that's strange. That that's strange. Yeah. yeah. And as an
3: adult <laughs> as an adult, um, you know, when I was making a lot of money in real estate, um, she had I I used to have this contact um with getting discounted appliances through being a real estate broker and um, my stepfather and my mother used that discount to buy um, new appliances for their kitchen. But they had this ugly old microwave that was white. So for Christmas one year I showed up and I told her I was coming and I brought her the matching stainless steel microwave, (laughs) you know, like this is a Christmas gift, you know, Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I went there Mm -hmm. with my kids, three kids, and there was presents all over the family room, Christmas lights, everything. She always really did up for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. my kids were digging for their presents, and she got so mad. And she pulled me aside, and she said, how dare you get me such a lavish gift for Christmas? I didn't get you guys anything. And I go, well, why are there all these gifts under your tree. Well, they were for this uh, girl she took under her wing named Precious that she used to spoil rotten. It was for her and her family that were coming oh over God. later for dinner. And so uh. she went in the back of the house, got this ugly thing she got from a thrift store. It said two ninety nine on the bottom still. And she goes, Here, this is your family gift And oh my, my husband at the time was so pissed off that we, we left. But that's just mm-hmm. how my mom thought of us. You know, like she mm-hmm. just didn't, she just never thought of us. I've never had a, a wrapped Christmas gift from my mom, except for the one year when I lived with Camille, she brought me yeah. something used from a thrift store, which was fine. But that was the only time I ever got a wrapped gift.
2: Well, you see that, that's, that's sad. Okay. I had um, things like that happen in my life too. And, uh, Whereas my brother, would get lavished. I mean, he got his first car when he was 13 years old. Jeez. And it was a Kaiser. It was so ugly. I don't know if you've ever seen a Kaiser before. It's a nasty-looking car. Trust me. I never even heard of that. It's a German car. And for some reason, I don't know, he, he thought he liked this car. But you see, my stepfather was afraid of him. And my brother was one of my abusers. Okay, sexual abuse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but he was a tall, lanky kid, and my stepfather was afraid to. Well, really, was afraid to fight with him because I think he thought he'd he'd lose. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: uh, my my mother adored him for some reason. I don't know why. He's a pervert.
3: See, once a pervert,
2: always a pervert. I may have been his sister. Yeah. But uh, yeah,
3: it's in their head. Half
2: sister. It's in their head. You can't change them. You cannot. No. All the studies—they no. for decades now. They've been working on that, and they haven't come up with an answer yet. Okay. And at one time they thought if they could get like a teenager, um, that there might be some hope. But I don't think that's even come through anymore because, uh, you know, it—you it, either you are or you're not. That's the way it is. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. There is no help from what I know of anyway. I've never been told any different. So, um, you know, it's we have these things in our lives that uh, we can look back on that are nasty. But then we have to realize, yeah. too, okay, the person is mentally ill. I believe my mother was yeah. mentally ill. I agree. She told me she was a witch. She was a witch. That's what she mm-hmm. told me. And she had this nasty look that would melt me. If she was mad at me, oh, honey, she would give me this look, and I would melt. Okay, I was so afraid of her. And Mm -hmm. my brother had that look, and her mother had that look. It was like the three of them. Wow. uh, (laughs) Let me tell you something. Um, I I didn't like any of them, and um, my friends, I'd have them come around the house And my grandparents, were they were living with us at the time. Oh, glory be. they were supposed to be there seven months. They ended up being there seven years. Now, this I will tell you because I think it's funny. So they saw how they uh, treated me. And we were standing out in the driveway one night. We always owned lots of properties and places that my mother and stepfather even bought. So it was a long driveway. And uh, we were standing by the house, so. And my grandmother was looking outside, looking through the windows. You could see her looking, looking, because she wants to squeal on us. You know, to my mother, oh, look what Mm -hmm. she's doing. Well, they all mooned her. (laughs) So (laughs) with her standing there, they they pulled their pants down and they mooned her. And that was the end of that. (laughs) She never did that again. Now, look, I have a wild sense of humor. I admit it. But I think that was funny. (laughs) Okay. That is funny.
1: Because,
2: you see, there was so much... um, Discord, so much hatred, so much um, frustration, so much anger in the house, and uh, I was the one that was the black sheep. So uh, they was always trying to get me in trouble. My grandparents too, and um, so when they mooned them, um, I was I was happy. <laughs> I was glad they did it. So now I can look the, back at that and I think it's funny. There was five of them. So uh, anyway, that's, that was a funny story. But I can look back at, um, I can see, because you asked, um, can you find something in your life? Well, I can put that on my list, okay? That was funny, all right? So, but I can look back at some things that uh, in my life that were good, you know, and, and I, I do have that, and I hold on to those memories because at one time, all I did was hold on to the horror in the in the family. I could tell you stories that would curl your hair, all right? So I held yeah. on to you know, I held on to that. And as long as people do that and you use another word, you use the word stuck well a lot of us if we don't move forward uh we then become stuck. And I, I get these calls yes. like I said in the AM and many of those people are stuck and it's very hard to get them out of that mindset well, look what happened to me, you know, and all this other stuff. Well, it happens to a lot of people. I have to tell them that.
1: Yeah. And
2: they don't they don't like that, okay, because they want to feel like, they want to feel their own pain, okay? It's like they get, they're stuck in, in this, this mindset. People are not going to heal if they don't try to move forward. And they certainly should get a counselor or a therapist, um, some kind of psychiatric treatment. Depending on how you know yes. severe their problems are, and 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 move forward. Otherwise, you live a miserable, but miserable life. But you can't life. get
3: past it until you talk about it, until you put it out there, until you understand it and focus on why and what happened and how you know you didn't do anything wrong and and That's you know right. it was the other That's person. Right. And and until you do that, you can't move on. And and you know, I I personally didn't know how to get over it. And um, Mm -hmm. until I, I wrote it all out, you know, I just wrote this gross, disgusting book, you know, it was really sick. Actually, I can't even, I look at it and I can't even believe I wrote it. It's, it's like humiliating, but at the same time, it was so healing. Like, I remember when I was done and I got my first box of books, my pores and my skin just, I just sweat everywhere. I like all this, like depression, anxiety, everything just was so released from me that day. It was like, I'm free.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Well, you see, um, yeah. Now, uh,
1: then I went on Dr. Phil. Well. <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. You told me about that. My god You told us about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, god. Well, by the way, hold yeah, I that was crazy. I, I don't know. I think I would have walked off the stage and thumbed my nose at him because I'm fresh. Now
3: here's here's No, the, because uh, I was still waiting for the intervention. Like I was sitting there on the stage and Dr. Phil has this little headphone piece in his ear and Mm -hmm. the producers tell him exactly what to say. And so it was very confusing for me because he was very nice, very supportive to me, understood what I Mm -hmm. said, understood Mm -hmm. what I did. And then he would say these bizarre off the wall things. Well, they edited out all the support and good, kind, wonderful things he said to me, and only played the stuff the producers told them to play because it was it's an, he's an actor, and um, it was it was just shocking to me when I watched the show. I was like, no, no no, you know, there was some of that, but not really. I mean, they put my voice in places. I didn't even talk in that t- during that time. And, and they edited out a lot of stuff that I did say. And so a lot of people are like, why didn't you speak up? Why didn't you, you know, whatever. And it's like, I did, <laughs> you know, I, I really well, it's did. It's kind of
2: hard too though. I mean, did you have a full audience? The 216 area code, I see yes. you have your hand up and I'm going to call on you in a second, but let me ask you something. Um, all right. Now you said you tried to speak up, like, where's, where's this help and all this other stuff. I, I want to talk about this. We were supposed to cover this, cover that. And, um, yeah. God's sake. I would have been. Mm-hmm. They would turn off my okay.
3: microphone and go to commercial.
2: Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Oh, my God. i would kidding. have gotten a, I would have stood up and did a dance. I would have fixed them.
1: Well, well let
2: me <laughs> see stuff like
1: that. Makes I was waiting dance. for the intervention. <laughs> right,
2: right, right. I would have done yeah. an inter- intervention after that one. All right. Well, let me get to 216 because they have been sitting by and standing up here, and now they want to speak. 216 area code, who am I speaking to? Oh,
0: uh, hi. I just thought if you ever wanted to say anything, you press one.
2: Okay, well, were you just listening or something? It doesn't matter. Are you listening? Is that I, I what you want to listen,
1: do?
0: I'm listening and then I, you know, want to say something from time to time. So do I press one each time?
2: You can, or? you can, this is a talk show, honey. You can talk right now if you have a question. If you want to speak to Jory, you have a question. Um, or you want to make a comment? You know, you certainly you're a part of the show. You're on the panel. Yes, you are. You're on the panel. <laughs> so, do well, you want uh, to uh, ask ask a question?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say when he was talking, like about writing. I'm not much of a writer, but I'm getting ready to do that. Um, I'd rather not say my name right now, but it's uh, okay. Anyway. Um, for me with the healing you know you talk about getting stuck and staying stuck I'm very much stuck but the way that I heal is to talk things out and get it said to the rightful person or place or entity but that's how I heal that's how I heal so I'm trying to find out if that's what works for me then where do you go if you want to, okay, if you're trying to heal, you're trying to move forward. How do you mm-hmm. heal when you've got all those feelings that you felt, that you want to deal with, but you don't know where to go with the feelings? That right. makes sense. Oh, yeah. Jory, do you want I, to I answer that? I'm I texting, I, I, I texting. I'm kind of
3: confused by the question.
2: Okay. I I well I understand what you're saying. So then we can handle it together. Um, and Philip you can you can say something too. Uh when you're when you're stuck, okay, I understand what you're doing. Um, you have all those feelings. I had all feelings of hatred. Hatred.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All
2: right, for so long. And and I've I've said this on air before. I I was alone in the house, I'd make sure I was alone in the house. And I would go around in circles, I hate this one, I hate that one, out loud. And, and you, I, I want to twist your head like the exorcist, I want to do this, I want to do that, you know what I'm saying? And finally, I got so tired of all the hatred, I, I actually fell to the floor from the exhaustion. Because when you have all yes. that hatred inside of you, it can exhaust you, okay? Now, what I'm suggesting to you is if you want to write a book, if that's what you're talking about, or um, whatever you want to do with that. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm not going to say that you have to forgive people. All right, Jory, I I don't actually forgive the people that, um, you know, did these things to me. You don't know my story. And it's just as bad as yours. And we don't take yardsticks on the show anyway. It's trauma. But yeah. what I can do, it what I can do is say that those people too were not mentally sound, and I'm okay. I'm still standing. Okay, so with yes. all the feelings that you have and all the things that you went through, okay, you can look uh-huh. at it in the sense that, well, this pers- this person did this to me, that person did that to me, and and all these other things that you have going around, floating around in your head, and um, say it sucked. You can get mad at it, okay? It sucked, but you know what? I'm still here, and I'm going to write about it, and I'm going to feel good about writing about it because you see, I was just a kid, and uh, were you just a child when you were going through all your things?
0: Who are you asking? We, huh?
2: Yes, I can hear you, honey. Yes.
0: Hey, who are you addressing? Okay. The
2: or Jory? No, I'm talking to you. Were you just a kid when all those things, uh, you know, happened to you?
0: Uh, some of it, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of it, teenage stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of it in elementary school. Um, and then the best way that I could describe it is, it was like a lot of latent abuse, or how do I say it? Um. Sorry, I'm not well versed, but um, it's just say how it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew, okay. Sorry. Because I knew life, pretty decent life, so to speak. I was never. I was never able to address the things that were bothered me. So I'd have to say, regarding my mom, I was ignored or neglected in some ways as far as mm-hmm. what was bothering me so I had to be appropriate blah 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 and I was never able to just I held things in a lot because the first thing that I remember um, was you know don't talk about it don't you dare tell anybody what goes on here at the house it wasn't horrific, but it was horrific. To me. So.
3: Well, I have something.
0: I I have something to
3: say when you're done. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Um, I thought that these things would never happen to my children because I felt like, okay, I know the signs, I know what to look for, and everything else. But I made a mistake with my oldest son, and I let a teenage babysitter babysit him. He was an older high school student. And I thought it would be good for my son to have, like, you know, an older brother type figure in his fam- and, and, you know, and stuff. And he loved this guy. The guy would take him, you know, different places and play with him and, you know, play video games with him and everything. And then all of a sudden, um, one day, my son stopped wanting him to babysit. And I didn't understand it. I was like this guy is so nice and he's so helpful and he doesn't charge me a whole lot and blah 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 well um, my son told me well he makes me suck his penis sorry I'm just gonna say it the way it is Mm
0: -hmm. and so
3: I I completely freaked out I didn't believe my son at first I didn't really think boys can be molested I really never thought about it I was Mm -hmm. just really in shock this guy was so nice and everything and then um, my son was only six and um, after I let go of this guy named Danny as a babysitter, um, one day my son was going to the bathroom and he was screaming in pain and he had bubble blisters all over his penis. And mind you, this is in the 1995 or something. And um, I took him to the emergency room and found out he had herpes. And that's how I found out for sure my son was being sexually abused. So I went through the whole court system and everything, and got the kid in all this trouble. I don't know. I found out he was sexually abused and he had a horrible life too. But um, I had told my son never to talk about it, never to think about it. We're going to pretend it never happened. And we actually, I married this guy who was my, well, he was my boyfriend, but he was also gay. It was kind of confusing, but he was really nice. And um, I married him to move to Manteca. And he adopted my son, Ryan, so that we could change his last name so this guy would never find him. And we moved to Manteca, in California, and um, my son would go to school, and he was not the happiest kid. Um, I never really knew what was wrong until one day he came home, went in his room, and I was outside gardening, and a big group of kids came walking up down the street. And um, they said, it's Pika Home, because that was our his adopted name. And I said, yeah. And then they said, that we want to talk to him. So Ryan, my son Ryan came out of the house, and they, he went for a little walk with him, came back, and I said, what was that about? And he goes, they wanted to know if I was gay. And I said, why would they ask you if you were gay? And he goes, oh, well, because today at school, we had this thing where people came on the stage and talked about sexual abuse. And then they asked if anyone wanted to share their story. So I went on the stage and told everybody what happened to me with this guy, Danny, the babysitter. And I freaked out. I thought, "Holy shit! We we moved here to escape that. We weren't supposed to talk about it again." I thought we were going to have to relocate again because my kid was going to get tormented and teased, and that he wouldn't be able to go to school anymore. We'd have to change schools and everything. I was freaked out and completely angry at him. I mean, we're not supposed to talk about it. It didn't happen. You know, it's over in the past. Whatever, get over it. Well, the here's the thing that happened. He insisted on going to school. And do you know that after that day, he became an honor roll student. He became captain of the football team. He became so extremely popular. He's so successful in life now. He's thirty—I don't remember—thirty-five, and he is um, sells artificial intelligence, and he's super wealthy and lives in San Diego really well. And um, he is—he's okay. But he went on stage and told the whole school. That was healing. That was what we need to teach people who are sexually abused to do. We need to tell them, it's not your problem. You do not have to sit there and be shamed and be silent. You go out there and you go on the stage and you say, hey, this happened to me. And guess what? All these kids were coming up to him saying, it happened to me. It happened to me. It happened to me. And he used to have kids come to the house and he'd cancel them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, See that's, that's and, and I can't story. tell you how many how many kids he saved that day, and mm-hmm. and one kid had said, "Well, my my father, my stepfather, got me pregnant, and my mom made me put the baby up for adoption, and she doesn't believe that it was him that got me pregnant.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
3: we believe you, <laughs> you know, and and it mm-hmm. just it just changed things in the community we were in." And everybody was accepting answer? and understanding. And
1: that's people realize
3: they're story. not alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you. That's it. Uh,
1: and and I,
2: that's a wonderful story. What do, you, what do you think about that? I'm going to just call you 216. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, um,
0: mine, uh, okay, the abuse that was at home at the house was mental, psychological, It was not sexual at the house. However, when I was 9 and then when I was like uh, between 10 and 12, there was some sexual abuse outside of the home by a neighborhood kid and then by uh, uncle slash cousin because my mom's the youngest of 10. So, and my dad's middle of seven, they have me in their 40s, suffice it to say, ugh. so um, my first cousins were like at least 25 years or more older than me, so I just, mm-hmm. because I was born into the second cousin generation, whenever mm-hmm. my cousin, my, how would I say it, my second cousins would be saying, hey, aunt so-and-so, uncle, aunt, uncle. I, because I was a little kid, I they were my aunt and uncle too. I didn't know the thing about cousins and first cousins and all that stuff. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So um, my uncle, who actually was a cousin, but I called him my uncle,
1: um,
0: I started getting molested by him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, of course, To this day, I've never, I've talked to a counselor Mm -hmm. and I forgave him on his deathbed. He was in a coma and I knew he heard me because I remember how he grimaced. I remember how he reacted when I told him who I was and, you know, what about Uncle Johnny, who's my dad? And he like, he reacted. I don't know if that time I around? think that's awesome that you did that. Good for you. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. I've never. I never was around that. But um, he was jaundiced, and he was in a coma, and I believe I was about thirty-three, thirty-four at the time, and I told him that I forgave him. I always wanted oh, to shoot. ask. Yes. I always wanted to ask him why did he do that to me because i was in because he's a horny pig <laughs> and he has mental problems
2: well you know but I'm, I'm i'm hearing all this and um what did he say why did i when you said to him why did you do this what did he say to you
0: no I, no i said i wanted to by the time oh, you wanted oh. to okay Okay, I thought she said she did. I, I you know, I did, we yeah.
3: can't answer why these people do these things. Uh, I think no. that there's people who have like a chemical imbalance in their brain, and they just can't, mm-hmm. they don't know right from wrong, and they just are are idiots, you know, and they're abusive, and they don't think they're doing anything wrong. I don't think my mom or my dad thought they were doing anything wrong. I think my dad thought he was doing it because he loved me. People always say that it's a control thing. I never felt like that with my dad. I always felt like with my dad, it was just something we did and you know, it was no big deal. It would be over quick. We'd just stare at the little clock on the headboard and um, it would be over. You know, <laughs> and, and I just don't think that, I don't know if they really realize they're doing anything wrong. I think they're sick in the head.
2: I, I think there, there's mental illness of course, but on the other hand, there's a lot of, like with the psychopaths, okay? Um, they're very mentally ill. They wouldn't be a psychopath. However, they have no feeling. They have no empathy. They don't care. You mm-hmm. see, that's what they do, whether it be with murder or whether it's a, a, in a sex ring or, or whatever it is that they're involved with. They don't care because it's for self-gratification, okay? And that's all they care about. And that's their illness right there is because they have no empathy. Um, well,
3: my my ins- sister-in-law asked Oh, sorry
2: No, I, I was just going to say
3: um, Go
2: In her case, okay, in 216 um, These things happen in families And it's disgusting All right, with first cousins um, Second cousins and, and third cousins, they say, oh, well, that's too far apart So it's not really a, a relative But on the other hand um that's why we have so many problems in our families, you know, because there is so much sexual abuse going on. And you might have said something to him, you know, you might have said, hey, how come you did that? And he probably might say to you, oh, you enjoyed it. That's what, yeah. I to
3: <laughs> That's what I was just gonna say. I was just gonna Man. say that my sister in law asked my father in law why he did what he did to me, and he said mm-hmm. to her, "It was because I led him on, and that I wanted him to do that." And they here's the thing: my father in law, yeah, my father in law mm-hmm. was thirty years older than me, and he seriously looked like Shrek. He was the ugliest guy, and I'm a good-looking woman. I mean, I'm not just trying to toot my own horn, but I am, and. Mm -hmm. There is no way in hell I ever wanted that gross pig to do that to me. No way. But in his head, because he's so sick, he thought I did.
2: Well, yeah, you just said it right, right there, though. He's so sick. Okay. Yes. Uh, they, of course. When people are are pedophiles, or um, you know, then they go to the next classification, which I think is called hebephily or hebephilia. Yeah, for the teenagers. And then they ooh, and then there's one also for infants. How gross! I have it written down. It's up on my bulletin board, and I'm not going to dig. <laughs> okay. I need a secretary. But anyway, there's uh, like three classifications. They don't care what they do. Okay. They don't yeah, care. No. They have no empathy their, their main goal Is to just simply Do what they want to do sexually And, and get off and, and there is a control issue there Because you see This is why Especially like with the pedophiles All right, They, um, they know that they, they're not going to be able to fight back They don't care if they're ruining that child's Mental, spiritual Physical, emotional They, they don't care about that stuff all they care about is their next prey, and that's P-R-E-Y. And uh, by the time, you know, they, they get done, they get caught, they have, for God's sake, they, they have, you know, uh, hurt many, many, many children. They've abused many children. In fact, with the first-time offenders, if they do get caught, okay, um, they have, this is what the stats say even today, they agree on this, Um, They've abused maybe around 128 times, but that could be five times with one kid ten times with another you do the math It doesn't matter. It's 128 assaults, okay, and that's first-time abusers Offenders, I think they should throw them in jail and because it's only the first time. Oh, no, honey They shouldn't get maybe uh, two years or a year and a half or whatever Um, They should go to jail for a long time that's what they Dr.
3: Phil told me, which wasn't aired, it was edited out, he said, uh-huh. you can ask your dad or whoever for to um, apologize, but they won't know what they did wrong. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they did wrong.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you see, they, they do know. Okay, he's wrong there. I'm going to say he's wrong there. Because I used to work psych units and all
3: kinds of stuff, and we had yeah. their files in there.
2: All right. Well, you so, know, Dr. Um,
3: Phil, him and his his PhD, big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard about that, too. <laughs> I mean, look what kind of person yeah. he is. He's mm-hmm. he, he scandalous, you know, I mean.
2: <laughs> well, that's why he has to wear everything in
3: his ear, because
2: he needs people to tell him the yeah. right answers. I, I, I know yes. that. I know that. He doesn't have the yes. right answers on his own. No. Maybe over the years he's learned, because he's done this for so long, all right? That can happen, too, but still, more no, he needs help. So um, he needs help from the, the specialists right there, the experts right there in, in his uh, audience.
1: Um,
2: so, but what I'm trying to get at is these people are so mentally ill, okay? They don't care yeah. um, what they're doing, and they, they, all they care about is themselves and, and self-gratification. And, um, you know, and that's why I think they should throw the book at the first-time offenders because they're never going to stop.
3: Okay. No, yeah, I agree
2: You know, and, and uh, again They've done studies on this We used to talk about it in the classes That I took, they've done studies on it And if they've done it for decades Back then, I mean, I, I've i been out of school Now for a while, I don't need any more school And don't even want it, but the point is This, um, I know what I was taught Then, so if it was decades Then, well how long Much more do they have to study, you know what I'm saying Nothing has happened, nothing yeah. has changed so put them the hell in jail, put them in there, and, and keep them off the streets because they're a menace to society. They're a menace to children, and, and they ruin And I'd like lives. to add
3: something. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say to the our friend on on that just spoke to us that yeah, he's um, right there. I I think that mm-hmm. if she was to come out and say so and so did this to her, it would not surprise me at all if she had other relatives that said, oh shit, he did that to me too. It, it's it's uh-huh. so common, you know. I it, it's I so common, wanted, and
0: everyone's afraid to say it. Right. I have wanted to to ask. Okay. Um, sorry if I seem a little slow. I'm not. It's just it's emotional for me. It uh-huh. is. You it's know, okay. I, I know not I was not, I was not by him or anything like that, but you know there again, I used to freeze at home with my parents arguing. I used to freeze, I mm-hmm. guess I just freeze hot um from being little from the emotional abuse mm-hmm. the bull that my mom would say to me, the threats that she would make to me the uh, you know, it might not be as much of abuse as some other people, or as serious, but it, it was kept trauma. Me up. To
2: you. It was okay. trauma. I don't think
3: there's uh-huh. any kind of contest. I think that it's all traumatic. If, yes, if someone sorry. asked me once, well, well, whose is worse? I said, it's all bad. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? There's no contest. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think mine was as bad as yours. And she said, well, I didn't think mine was as bad as yours. It was interesting because we both felt that way when I was talking to this lady. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And that's
2: so true, yeah. Jory. That's true. That, that's helping her. You see, you have to understand, like we, I just said before, we don't take a, a, a measuring stick. Whatever, trauma is trauma, okay?
1: Right. So you, and have I...
2: to get, you have to get your thoughts together so that you can, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about writing a book, if you are, um, you have to get your thoughts together at your earliest mm-hmm. time when you felt like you, there was emotional abuse. Let me tell you something quickly about uh, domestic violence. Now, I've, I've spoken about this before. But I'm going to speak about it again because you're here and it's important. Okay, um, they have come to the conclusion that if a child is watching domestic violence, maybe there isn't, maybe it's not slapping, hitting, blood flying like I saw. It doesn't matter, but maybe there's all this uh, emotional, you know, thing going yeah. on with the uh, verbal abuse and all that other stuff. Um, it's the same type. Now this is going to blow your mind. It's the same type that if you were standing next to a soldier in war and he sees his buddy get his head blown off, a little girl or a little boy who is standing there watching the mother who's supposed to nurture them and the father, you know, with all this fighting going on, you said you stood frozen. So did I. I can relate to that. I, I Shit, me playing. too. I, would, yeah, I was like a, a statue, okay? I, I couldn't move. Yeah. And and you know yeah. so you know funny. it affects everybody everywhere. You had the fight, the fright, and the flu, and all this other stuff. Yeah, my computer just did something weird. Go ahead.
0: Uh, the, Go ahead. Uh, well, funny to me or strange thing to me is, and actually, a lot of this stuff is coming back to haunt me lately. In just like mm-hmm. a few day, even like as late as 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 late as a few days ago. Okay. Whenever mm-hmm. I would be they put in a, well, what's normal, right? But just say a normal setting. Like say as mm-hmm. a kid, okay, um, like I said, you got to understand my family dynamics. My cousins who are my age, their mom is actually my first cousin, but I call her mm-hmm. auntie, you know, mm-hmm. auntie mm-hmm. Teresa, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I knew my one mm-hmm. sense something wasn't right but nobody ever really, like, stepped in. But this mm-hmm. one aunt took very special measures to, like, in, you know, invite me over. She didn't drive. but My dad and mom would take me over to come and spend the night with Linda, Lori, and Leanne. I I was born in between these girls. So there's, like, my second cousin, okay, Linda, I, then me, then Lori, then Leanne. So you you really you really can't tell when you're the same age, a little kid there and then this woman is married and has children, it's hard to understand. This is your cousin, not your aunt, but that's okay. But she always did special things like she'd come around Easter for my birthday and she'd bring me like maybe an Easter um, you know, a chocolate cross made out of like Milky Ways or something. She always do. She, I think, like she felt sorry. I think she knew it wasn't right at home, but she didn't want to stir the pot. So God bless her for always treating me decent and taking me under her wing to a point. Well, okay, I really, I want
2: to say something here, honey. My, own, I don't, yeah. I really don't like interrupting you, but we only have like two minutes left to the show. Okay.
3: So, oh, I want to say something. I want her to be a guest, and I want to log you know, in. Oh, I do, too. Hold on a second, Jory. What I want you to do okay. is before she get,
2: becomes a guest, she has to get her thoughts together. Now, look, you're having, like, what you're doing, you're putting the puzzle together, okay, of your, of your childhood mm-hmm. and, and your life. And this is good. Write things down. As things come to you, write things down. And then there goes my 90-second cue. The, the show is actually over. Oh my god! And I couldn't even get the bill. <laughs> bill, I think wanted to say hello, um, but he says he's working too. All right. All I can say to you is, Jory, it was a pleasure having you on the phone. You know, on on the show, and you wrote the book Chocolate Flowers, and I think people should you know look that up. It's on Amazon, correct? No,
3: nah, what? no. I pulled it because. I pulled it. Um, You can get it for $0.99 on on Kindle. Okay, we'll we'll
2: talk about that another time because I only have 60 seconds left here. But I'm glad that Philip called in. Jory, I'm glad that you were here. And 216, I want you to listen to the shows, okay? And I want you to start writing things down as you remember them. And then you'll have a better idea, and and you'll learn how to to handle certain situations. All right, and you can call me. I'm the night owl. Okay, anytime on the contact page. I'm number one, or number, maybe number two on the contact page. I think I'm number one on nasca N A A S C A dot org website. You'll see contact.
0: Yeah, you, you know me. I just don't and, want and to. And I can say talk to you. Yeah. So you, you, you know have. You know, I just Don't want to say my name. That's okay. Huh? You know what?
3: I, I want you to do. I want you to tell Bill that we know he's not working and that he's just sleeping and snoring away. No, he's not. <laughs> he's working.
1: <laughs>
3: that will will whatever.
2: will go. But, <laughs> but anyway, okay. Listen, the show is. That's funny. The show is over. And two one six okay. area code. Do as I said and call me if you need to talk to somebody. And if you a. want to look
3: me up on face and if you want to look me up on Facebook and ever talk. It's Jory Nunes, J O R I, N U N E S, and I would be more than happy to talk with you.
2: Okay, okay, that's good. Now I have to I have to wrap the show up now. Thank you so okay, much okay. for coming on.
3: Okay, thank good you. Night.
2: God bless. Thank all right, you. good night now.
3: Okay, goodbye everybody. Bye
0: bye.
1: Log Talk Radio.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: Laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.